reading, us, reading that for us. Um, good morning, everyone. And let me add my welcome to Will's. Uh, my name is Andrew. Um, I'm, I'm a member of the church family here, and I'll be walking us through this passage in Isaiah this morning. But let me start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that you've spoken to us in your Bible. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you, the creator of all. Thank you that you have included us in your plan for salvation and glory. Father, we pray that as we come to you this morning that you would please remove any distractions and clear our minds and fill them with your words this morning. Please speak through me today to be clear and faithful to your words. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. We all face tribulations, hardships, and difficulties in life. And because of this, we're all tempted to maybe question our faith, question God. We become doubtful in God and in his salvation. We think, why has God allowed for this tribulation and hardship or difficulty to be in my life? Has he forgotten about me? Does he care for me? And so we turn our backs on God, and in our own strength, we do what we can to minimize these difficulties in our lives. And we put our trust in other things. We distract ourselves with the things of the world. And well, the Israelites felt the same in the situation they were in at this point in time. We're not too far away from where we've just finished our series in Daniel. We're in Isaiah, um, and Isaiah who lived about 100 years before Daniel, and about 700 years before Jesus is coming. Now, Isaiah was in the southern kingdom of Israel after the kingdom split. He warned the people of Judah that of their wicked ways and of their rebellion against God and their idolatry before the invasion of Babylon. And we are reading his prophetic writings of comfort. I believe that the first readers of this passage, the passage that we're looking at today, are God's people in exile. So those in the time of Daniel, about 100 years after Isaiah, God's speaking through Isaiah here to the people of that time and to us now. Now, the Israelites defeated by the Babylonians, taken from their land in chains and taken to Babylon, the Israelites at this time were expressing how they felt about God. And so if you just uh, maybe turn the page, depending on what Bible you have, it's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27, where it says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. God's people here have unbelief and distrust in God. They labeled here twice as O Jacob and O Israel. There is no doubt that God's people are speaking here. Perhaps this was a statement that had been circulating in the community of God's people because they're facing real hardship. They, they were questioning God. How could he allow this to happen? 
They're speaking as if God had cast them off. They think God has stopped paying attention to them and perhaps that he's not capable of helping them. And the Israelites at this time were already putting their trust in other gods and idols and maybe now they see that they were right to put their trust in idols and these other gods, the the gods of Babylon and other nations as they seem much more powerful than their gods right now. But God is not silent here. Through Isaiah's writings, he answers them. Uh, Please just look back at, um, sorry, in chapter 41 now, and I'm going to start reading from verse 21. God here challenges them. God questions them uh, for them to put forward their case and explain why their gods and their idols are worthy of being worshipped over him. So from verse 21 it says, Set forth your case, says the Lord. Bring your proofs, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring, uh, let them, bring them and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what is to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods. Do good or do harm, that we may be dismayed and terrified. Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. An abomination is he who chooses you. And then also look down at verse 29. Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty winds. The Lord here is showing them how foolish they are, how useless their gods and idols that they were putting their trust in are. God asked their idols, any of them, to tell us, tell us the future, or tell us the past, or just tell us something to consider, to prove that they are gods. He asked that they do good or do harm, or just do something that we have something to respond to, but there's nothing. There is no response. And this is a contrast to what we're going to see in our passage this morning as we see the true God and his plan with his servant. We come to a message of hope, reassurance, and comfort for God's people in exile. Not just the Israelites of that time, but for us now, as we're also away from home as Christians on earth and are tempted to have the same doubts and questions that they had. And so our passage today is a first of a series called um, Servant Songs or Songs of the Servants. Um, And we'll be seeing a first glimpse of the Lord's servant today. And so have a look down at verses 1 to 4 of our passage this morning. God the Father is speaking of his servant here. He's speaking of his servant. And we're told the task of his servant. It's hard to miss the servant's task here. as It says it three times. In verse 1, he will bring forth justice to the nations. Verse 3, he will faithfully bring forth justice. And verse 4, till he has established justice in the earth. So the servant's task here is to bring forth justice, bring forth justice, and establish justice. This task of bringing forth justice involves two things. The giving of judgment 
and the giving of righteousness. All people born of a a fallen world are deserving of God's judgment, which would always result in death. But this is not the outcome for all, because of the actions of the Lord and his servants. In verses 6 to 9, the Lord is no longer speaking of his servant, but to his servant. Here the Lord, God, expands on his task for his servant. Verse 6, the servant is to be a covenant for all the people and a light for all the nations. He is to, verse 7, open the eyes that are blind and bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I have no doubt that in this passage today that the Lord is talking about Jesus as his servant. There are so many similarities between the verses and Jesus, but I will just mention briefly a few. So Jesus describes his death as a covenant during the Last Supper. Um, I'll just read this quickly. In Luke chapter 22, verses 19 to 20, it says this. And he took bread, and when he had given uh, given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, "This This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He's talking here of his death and that by his blood that the promise of salvation can be obtained. The covenant is summed up in this well-known verse, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the new covenant promise that God the Father has made with his people. Another point that shows the servant is in the New Testament. Jesus is also known as the light. So in John chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And we know this light, so who John was pointing to was Jesus. And then lastly, Matthew in his gospel quotes the first four verses of our passage today. And the context here is that Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, And the Pharisees are not happy that he's broken their rules. And so in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, it says, But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him. And he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So this is our passage today. Behold, my servants whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will, he hear, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. 
A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name all the Gentiles hope. There is no doubt that Jesus here is the Lord's servant. Because of all, because of all the actions the Lord and his servant have done, the judgment of God resulting in death is not for all. It's not for those who follow the command of these verses. And in these verses, we're given one command in verse 1. Behold my servant. The Lord here is commanding us to see his servant, to see Jesus, and to put our trust in him. Jesus' death on the cross takes the deserving judgment of those who trust in him, and they are provided with righteousness of Jesus, making them just with God. This is the justice that the the servant provides to the earth, to the nations. This covenant is for anyone who believes. And so what comfort this is in a comparison to those idols and those gods who not even spoke a word. What a comfort this is to the people reading it. What great news this is for the world. This is the promise the Lord makes to his people, that his servant will bring forth justice. He will bring salvation to the nations. And well, if we're still unsure and have doubts throughout these verses, throughout all these verses, the Lord constantly reminds us of who is speaking and promising all these things and his authority. If you just have a look down at verse 5, thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Verse 6, I am the Lord. Verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And so when we're, temp- when we're tempted to be like the Israelites in exile, complaining about our gods and our struggles and resolving everything ourselves by turning in other directions, just remember the command to behold his servant. To truly follow this commandment, to behold the Lord's servant, to see the Lord's servant and believe and trust in him is not just a one-time thing. It's a daily thing which affects the way we live our lives. If we do truly behold the Lord's servant, then we need to follow him by listening to him. We need to become servants of the Lord's servant and be involved in Jesus in, and be involved in Jesus the Lord's servant's task. If we go through it again, Jesus the Lord's servant's task is to bring forth justice to the world. And we've seen how he does this by his work on the cross. And he has also been given as a covenant a light for the nations 
to, the, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And so we have the privilege of pointing to the covenant, to the light, to the sight giver, to the freedom giver, to the servant, so that blind eyes may be opened, that prisoners of sin can be set free, so that others might be saved by the work of the cross. And this theme continues throughout Jesus' ministry when he was on earth. Jesus says many, many things about being a follower of him, but one of them is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is just not a side mission of being a Christian, but it's a mission of a sacrificial, full-life commitment to the task of the servant. This work, this whole work is something the Lord is also fully committed to. It is his plan after all. In verse 1, the Lord upholds his servant and his soul delights in his servant and his work. And the Lord is with him in it. And as servants of Jesus, he sends us out with the same task and encouragement and promise, with the same authority. And so in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' task is from the Lord and so carries the authority of the Lord. And Jesus, being God, also has that authority and passes this task onto his servants so that we can be a part of this task of Jesus and the works of, uh, and the works of helping in his task of bringing salvation and justice to the nations and to the earth. And, well, if you're not a Christian here today, or if you're still looking into Christianity, then I urge you to see this command. Behold the Lord's servant. To see what is promised to those who follow and what he promises. And see how it compares to the things that the world offers. The Lord describes it as an empty wind in the verses we saw earlier. The things that promise lots but they are not God's and they cannot respond. Let me now close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the sending of your servant Jesus and his work of providing salvation and bringing justice to the world. Thank you that if we believe and trust in you, we obtain this salvation and that we can be a part of this work, being servants 
of Jesus. Please help us to never doubt you, to have full faith in you, and be fully committed to the work that we can be a part of and point people to the light, your son, who brings salvation and justice to the world. We pray all these things in your servant's name, Jesus. Amen.